Hey folks, Frank Hablawi of Nonproductive here, and boy do we have a treat of an interview for you today. In a few short moments, we'll be talking to John Trumbull, comedian, comic book and pop culture aficionado, graduate of the Kubert School, and writer for the Eisner Award-nominated Back Issue magazine, which this very month is celebrating the 25th anniversary of Batman, the animated series, in their 99th issue. Before we talk to John about this awesome special, I want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It really does help a lot. And to prepare yourselves for all new, all-knowing, all-powerful episodes of your very favorite geek-chic comic book review podcast, Near Mint. Returning to non-pro airwaves in the not-too-distant-yet-still-oddly-ill-defined future. Stay tuned. Do we have a clip? A new visual take on Lex Luthor, from what I understand. Lexi Luthor? Jim Lee's, Sexy? Jim, Jim Lee's uh, portrayal of Lex Luthor is based on Warren Ellis. Really? I, I, I want him to be more, um, how do I put this, gin-soaked to be Warren Ellis. More angry and possibly armed and shooting at low-flying birds. I follow Warren Ellis on Twitter, and this is all oh. extremely accurate. I love okay. the man. I want to see Warren Ellis as Lex Luthor fighting Superman Alan Moore. Oh, that would be a choice. Superman with the crazy long hair and beard. I'm sorry, we're geeked <laughs> out. What's going on? What's next? That's near mint. And now, without further ado, let's send out the bat signal for our esteemed guest. Who are we here with? My name is John Trumbull. I write for a website called The Atomic Junk Shop and uh, also for Back Issue Magazine from Tomorrow's Publishing. Now, uh, non-productive listeners may find that name familiar. John and I have, uh, we actually did a co-review of uh, uh, an, a wonderful series that has taken the world by storm, uh, <laughs> which I'm struggling to remember. Time after time, the, the uh, I almost called it the radio show. That's not right. It, it was may a, have well been for as much of a success it was, as it, it was. It was on the television. And we've talked at length about Sherlock. And, of course, you are a stand-up comic who has been on some of our live shows as well. That's true. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Here's something about uh, John Trumbull that you may not know, John. Uh, oh. Apparently, uh, you uh, were born in 1756 and mm-hmm. are an American artist active during the American Revolutionary War. Right, right. The the pain, the famous painting of the the signing of the Declaration of Independence it used to be on the back of the two dollar bill. That's me. Yeah. All right. It's on Wikipedia, and uh, we do not have the energy to make that up. So it's there. Yep. People can Googling verify. Googling me is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, we're here talking to you today about this really exciting work you've been putting a lot of effort into. Now, we're approaching a quarter century on one of the greatest animated television shows ever made. That's right. It's uh, this September. It's going to be the 25th anniversary of Batman, the animated series. And we wanted to do something to to mark that event. We also wanted to do something to amuse Frank, because um, <laughs> that's the main thrust of the magazine, the back issue. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, we're doing an entire theme issue about Batman the Animated Series, and um, it's going to be 84 pages all about the show, the comic book tie-ins, some of the merchandise. It's going to be really, really cool. Oh, man, I cannot wait for this. And you've gotten extensive interviews with pretty much, uh, I'm not going to say everyone, but uh, so many influential people behind the scenes of the series, voiceover stars. It's just really exciting. Yeah, everybody I could get my hands on that uh, 
was connected with the show. Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, Alan Burnett, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, his own self. Dan Reba, Kevin Altieri, they both directed the show. Randy Rogel, he was another writer from the show. Sean Catherine Derrick, who was one of the early story editors of the show, and she she left the show early on because she had a different conception of the show from what it turned into. Oh, so wow, we get to hear really from her perspective, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that is really ex- interesting to hear because it's such a success. It was such a wildly influential show that you'd never hear people saying, well, I had a different idea. I'm very curious to hear what that is. Basically, she saw it as like a more kid-oriented type of show. Her background, Sean Catherine Derrick's background was in the Smurfs and more younger skewing shows like that. So she saw it as like a little more colorful, a little more fun and kid-friendly instead of the film noir type of thing that they ended up doing. And you could do a great Batman show like that. That's just not the Batman show that Bruce Tim and Eric Radomski had in mind. So they came into conflict early on. One of the interesting things about Batman is that you can do a, a, a wide variety of different stories with the character, and they all have the potential of working. And mm-hmm. the exciting thing about uh, the animated series was the direction that they went with it was it was brilliant and relatively unknown I would say I would say unknown in, in anything other than a few comics at the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, to mainstream audiences, certainly. I mean, it was even different from like the, the Tim Burton Batman movies that had come out uh, just a year or two before. But that that's a great point. It's the beauty of the Batman characters. He's so versatile and you can stick him in almost any situation and he'll work to some degree. He, he can be in a, a colorful, campy spoof like the Adam West show. He can be in a film noir sort of thing. He can be in the more sort of naturalistic world of the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight movies. And and they all work, and they're all Batman. You right, know? right. They're all Batman. And in this day and age where fans are really, I guess, at odds with one another, trying to figure out what the definitive thing is for their favorite characters, Batman seems to be the one that kind of fucks the odds and, and makes it like everything is okay. As long as it's mm-hmm. good, anything can work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's that's the beauty of the characters. He's he's just so versatile, and you can put him in. He he works in all sorts of genres. He, you can put him in a mystery story, a horror story. He works in comedy. I mean, or just an action adventure thing. Yeah, absolutely. A romance. I mean, I, I've seen stories in all those genres with Batman that work, and I think that's a big part of his longevity is that you can just do him in so many different ways. Now, before we wet our listeners' appetite too much on this uh, upcoming work of yours, let's let's go into your background a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you first became a Batman fan. Oh, gosh. I think my first exposure to Batman was probably either the Adam West show or the Super Friends cartoon. Because I'm I'm a kid of the 70s, so I was I grew up watching Super Friends uh, first run on TV on Saturday mornings, and the Adam West show was in syndication by then. So I was watching that, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw one of those first. I, I can't say for certain which it was. I know my first issue of the comic book was Batman 303, which is still one of my favorite Batman stories because it, it starts out with Batman. He's preventing a robbery at a museum. He's fighting two guys dressed up as cavemen. He gets hit on the head with a rock and then he he gets like 
not quite amnesia, but he he thinks that Bruce Wayne is the crime fighter and Batman is the secret identity. Oh, so wow. the rest of the the rest of the story, he's like he's getting up in the morning. He puts on his Batman suit and he's like walking through Gotham City to get a hot dog and <laughs> going to Bruce Wayne's tennis club. And then at night, he puts on his three piece suit as Bruce Wayne and he goes out to kick some ass. <laughs> so that's great. I love it. I, I I wrote a whole column about it for the Atomic Junk Shop oh, dot com uh, back in October. I gotta take yeah. a look at that. That's great. I'll send you a link. It's that comic is a hoot, man. My favorite part about that is that the story doesn't end with him, you know, about to leave the house dressed inappropriately. Somebody lets him go out that way. For, for half the story, Alfred's running around. He's like, how the hell do I get him back to normal? What the hell do I do? <laughs> oh, did he get hit with another rock? No, that's a spoiler. I should, um, I should probably it, I, I, I can't tell you, but I, I can tell you the villain of the story was a supervillain called the Dodo Man. Wow. Who only steals things con- connected to the Dodo Bird. Oh, wow. That's really niche. Yeah, uh, I know. You think the you know the penguin? He's just like, yeah, birds, whatever, any sort of bird thing. Dodo man's like, no, dodos only. <laughs> Dodo so, or die. That's interesting. You, you, you gotta admire that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, how did this this article or series come about? Well, a couple of years ago, I realized that the 25th anniversary of Batman the animated series was coming up, and. When you're writing for a magazine like Back Issue, it's about to hit uh, 100 issues. So we've covered a lot of topics in comic books and and shows and things connected with it. So you're always trying to think of like, okay, what haven't we done? What haven't we covered? What's something we can we can do that's new? And so I suggested that to my editor, and he either thought it was a good idea or he was already planning something along those lines. I'm not sure which. I'll have to ask him if the idea came from me or not, because I'm honestly not sure. But yeah, issue 99 is going to be all about the series. So I just started, uh, he he was nice enough to give me the assignment to do an oral history of the show. And so I started contacting as many people connected with Batman the Animated Series as I could. I was already friends with a lot of them on Facebook. It's uh, That's a great thing about living in the internet age is it makes it a lot easier to track people down. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. I know. Wow. And you know, some people I, f- I just found through their websites, like uh, K- Sean Catherine Derrick, I, I found on her uh, webpage and contacted her through her uh, book agent. And uh, after a little back and forth, she was, you know, very nice to talk to. You know, so like Kevin Conroy, I contacted through his his agents. Uh, he has like a, agents for his his voice work. And you know, so, sometimes people put you in touch with other people. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoy that aspect of it. Following it on a personal level, it was very exciting to see you get the hunt, you know, get mm-hmm. get, get like the the big get, the big gain. And when you would you're like, I can't talk about who I just interviewed, but my head is about to explode and blood is yeah, coming out of my yeah. eyes. And I'm like, well, that's Maybe I took a little liberties with that, but still, it was very no, exciting. That's pretty much the tone, because I mean, like the 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 day I talked to Kevin Conroy, I I was I think I could have died happy right then. But what, probably one of the biggest thrills in the po- in the project was actually getting an email from Kevin Conroy, and it just read, "Let's set up a time to talk." And <laughs> you can't not read that in the voice of Batman, right? Because you're you're just like, "Oh my God, Batman just sent me an email," and. Uh, yeah, it, it's a thrill. It is that, that is pretty. That must be very exciting. So I, I just want to go a brief aside. Uh, speaking of Ken, Kevin Conroy and his voice, did yes. you at all discuss the transition period when Bruce Wayne had his own distinct voice that was separate from Batman, and then later on as 
basically Batman's voice and Bruce Wayne's voice was relatively the same. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. Like the doing the two voices, that was that was basically Kevin's idea because he, he he was kind of a novice to the comic book world. He didn't grow up with Batman. He grew up in like a very strict Catholic household, didn't read comic books. So he really only knew Batman from the Adam West show. And and what they were doing was so different. They they said like just put the Adam West show out of your out of your mind. Right. So they they explained it to him and he was like, wait a minute, okay, this guy's you know the the richest guy in Gotham City. He's the handsome, eligible bachelor. Every woman wants him, and he puts on a mask and nobody knows it's him. And, and he's like, well, we got to differentiate this more. And so he he suggested that they they do a different voice for Bruce Wayne. He originally used uh, David Niven as his inspiration for the Bruce Wayne voice. Oh, uh, told me uh, like a couple episodes in, they decided to take it down a few notches. So he had to re-record the Bruce Wayne parts because it just wasn't meshing as well as they originally envisioned. Yeah, you know, the Bruce Wayne voice is kind of close to his actual speaking voice. It's uh, I'd say maybe a little higher. And it, that's the thing I love is that neither the Bruce Wayne voice nor the Batman voice sound like they're a fake voice. They both sound like natural speaking voices. And that's that's what I love about it. Yeah, and then later on, I don't know if that was his choice to just do a similar voice or or if he was actually directed. I would guess he was probably directed maybe not to do so much of the light playboy thing. Yeah, they, they started playing Bruce Wayne a, a lot more serious after they redesigned the characters. Speaking of design, one of the things that stands out the most about this show is the design. How Bruce Tim, how everyone involved made an aesthetic that was both deceptive simple yet so iconic yeah yeah i mean the the look of that show was amazing and it, it's kind of amazing because like bruce tim he did the initial design for batman and the characters and stuff and eric radomsky who is the other producer on the show he came up with the basic way they treated the backgrounds which was they they painted them on black paper to to get as much atmosphere and shadows in them as, as possible and so uh, they just uh, airbrush a little a bit of color on there to highlight, and it just it just worked beautifully. And and they put those two together, and it was it was a show that looked like no other. Absolutely, and it it had a huge impact like no other. Batman the Animated Series was the first in a, a long while for for DC animation, and it, it pretty much was the building block for everything that came after, including the animated movies that went direct to video and the ones that actually had some theatrical time. And we're currently living in the the era of the franchise, of the comic geekery making millions of dollars in theaters every year. So uh, what are your feelings about how Batman the Animated Series made that leap or helped us make that leap? Uh, Well, I mean, it it was kind of amazing because the show was pretty much a hit right out of the gate. It it was getting great ratings. They won a couple Emmys. They, They won a... Uh, daytime Emmy, and they also won a primetime Emmy because the show had a brief primetime. I remember that. I remember when it was on late at night, I think Sunday nights, right? Yeah, I think it was Sunday nights, but you know, maybe somewhere close to The Simpsons or something because it was a Fox show. And then, then they had the, the Batman Mask of the Phantasm movie, which was originally just going to be directed video. But when they were in progress, the execs liked what they were doing so much. They said, let's give this a theatrical release. And so it was actually in theaters for a few weeks. Um, I remember it was released around Christmas in 93. Uh, I remember going to the theater to see that. And the the show was successful enough. They came back. They did uh, more episodes. They revamped the look. They did a Superman show a few years later. They did Batman Beyond, which was Batman in the future. And uh, then a few years after that, they did a Justice League show, which was amazing. So right. all told, these shows were running for about 11 or 12 years from – 
1992 to, I think, about 2003, if I remember correctly. So there are hundreds of episodes in in this, what's called the DC Animated Universe. And it's it's really amazing that that one show did well enough that all these other shows took off it. And, and it's still going on to a degree because there's going to be a, a new direct-to-video movie called Batman and Harley Quinn that's in the old BTAS style. With oh, wow. Batman and Nightwing and Harley Quinn, voiced by Melissa Rauch from The Big Bang Theory. And that's actually going to be in theaters on uh, next Monday, the 14th. So that's it's it's just going to be like a one-night-only thing. And then it comes out. They debuted it at uh, the San Diego Comic-Con. That's, that's really impressive. And yeah, like the DC animated universe has become a thing in and of itself. But again, comics have gone from a niche market that only very geeky people were involved in to being mainstream accepted. Yeah. What do you That's feel great. that has done for geek kind? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it a mixed bag? I mean, I, I think it's a good thing, generally. I don't, I don't think there's much too much downside to it. I mean, I think it's really cool that there's like a whole legion of fans who, who only know the characters from the movies or the cartoons, or, or and it's always like that because TV and movies are are a much bigger medium than comics are. Comics have, are sadly kind of a, a niche medium uh, these days because you just have readers in like the tens of thousands, thousands or millions of people see movies and TV shows. So when you adapt it into one of those other mediums, that's what it is to the general public. So yeah, I mean it's it's incredible to see both so many movies being made and so many good movies being made of the characters. I, I if you had told me this when I was twelve, I would not have believed it. You know, right, right. It's a little bit like being told when you were uh, twelve that you had a chance to interview Kevin Conroy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> what a time I've to be alive. Really confused because uh, when I was twelve, it was nineteen eighty four, and the show hadn't premiered yet. So <laughs> I would I I wouldn't have quite gotten it. Um, but if you told me when I was 20, I would have been pretty excited. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, I feel like in an interest, in an interesting way, comics are obviously always going to be in a niche world and mm -hmm. movies are always going to be, it seems controversial to some extent. Someone's going to, there's going to be people who I've, I've talked to people who've, uh, uh, dislike the Nolan Batman. They prefer the Tim Burton kind of, um, uh, more mm -hmm. uh, gothic version. Uh, and then there are people who will, of course, hate Ben Affleck as as Batman. But somehow the animated series, specifically Batman the Animated Series, but as it leaked out, because Kevin Conroy and, and, and the same creative team had an influence on much of the DC animated universe, especially the titles you mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. It seems to have been like the universal accepted middle ground. People are okay with these characters being defined as the most true version. Not the only option, but the most true. It's why you constantly hear people saying, Mark Hamill is my favorite Joker, or Kevin yeah. Conroy is my favorite Batman. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I, I don't want to say that like any one version is the, the one true or right, but I mean, mm -hmm. it, the Batman animated series is as close to definitive as you're probably going to get, or as close to a classical Batman. I mean, they they had wonderful casting for the characters, for the voice actors. The the look of the show was great. They they told great stories. I think part of the beauty of the show was they they were able to take the best of the comic books and translate that to another medium. But at the same time, they they weren't burdened by things like the continuity. They weren't like, oh well, we have to do this tie-in event with 
10 other books this month right. because of big things happening in the DC universe. And they didn't have to worry about like continuity reboots or things like that. So in some ways they didn't have the same handicaps that the comics can have at times. Yeah. So they, they were able to take the best of the comics and, and throw in their own cool stuff. Like Harley Quinn was a totally original character uh, introduced to the show and she's become part of the Batman canon now. Uh, and that that's pretty amazing. That hardly ever happens when when you're dealing with the, an adaptation from an outside medium. Absolutely. So let's let's get some easy questions that we have to we just we just have to ask. Okay. What is your favorite episode of Batman the Animated Series? Oh, uh, I, I go back and forth a lot because there's so many good ones. I, I think probably my my personal favorite is is one called Over the Edge, which was uh, it, that was in the the later run of the shows where Batgirl dies and Commissioner Gordon finds out that his daughter's been Batgirl all this time. And so then he starts going after Batman, Robin, and Nightwing and all that. And it's sort of like a, this nightmare scenario of how Batman could end. Oh, wow. Uh, I remember that. It's really cool. Yeah, you know, that was a very good one. Episodes like that are, are really cool because you can do all the outrageous things that you could never do in a regular episode uh, perchance to dream a, uh, another dream episode or yeah. in this case a dream episode that really messed my, with my mind when i was younger um yeah. of course i think almost everyone's top 10 almost got them mm-hmm. i mean almost got them is great because it's just all the bad guys playing poker and they're they're swapping tall tales about how they they almost killed Batman, so you get to see all these cool death traps that Batman escapes from, and there's great characterization with all the villains. Perchance a Dream, the one you just mentioned, was was a cool Mad Hatter episode, where it's basically Bruce Wayne wakes up and finds out he, he's not Batman, and he's he's got this whole life where he's not a crime fighter, and he's like engaged to Selina Kyle, and somebody else is Batman, and he has no idea what's going on. Robin's Reckoning, the that was a great one where they they did Robin's origin. There's so many good episodes, you know. What, what's what's your favorite? Was it Perchance a Dream? I, I feel like it's well, it's either um, I think it was a two part episode with Two Face that yeah. was one of my favorites, or or, or Mister Freeze. Any of the origin episodes, they did such a wonderful job with the series of humanizing their villains. And you know, everyone will say that the Rogues Gallery for Batman is one of the best parts of the character, and yeah. I really do think the series really. Knocked it out of the park, not just by the characterizations and the human humanizing these characters, but also the voiceover talent. Oh yeah, yeah, they had uh, just a murderer's row of talent, and they they got like some cool name actors too. They had Mark Hamill's the Joker, Ron Perlman was Clayface, Roddy McDowell was the Mad Hatter, John Glover, who you probably remember from Smallville, he was the Riddler. Paul Williams is the Penguin. Adrian Barbeau is Catwoman. Oh yeah. Yeah, amazing. Uh, um, Richard Mall from Night Court was Two Face. Uh, <laughs> you, you would never have thought that would work, but he was incredible. An amazing uh, job, yeah. Yeah, they they had so many good actors on that show. It's like the best part of the Adam West Batman series, or one of the great parts was the 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 Rogues Gallery and the the list of uh, air quotes B list actors who came in to do that. But you got the you got even an expanded list for the animated show because you didn't even have to fit the form. If you just yeah. had a voice that would work, it worked, and exactly. it sure did. Uh, yeah, I mean, some somebody like Richard Mull, he like great actor, but probably because he's like he was like six eight something like that. He he probably wouldn't have been cast as Two Face in a live action production, but for the animated show, he did a spectacular job, and 
And just like the Adam West show in the 60s, it became kind of the in show to do for a while. There were celebrities who were just clamoring to get on the show. Uh, Kevin Conroy told me a story where like Ice-T came on and did a guest voice. And this is like before he was really doing much in the way of acting. It was before he did like uh, Law and Order SVU. And Kevin Conroy was like, you're this big successful rapper. What are you doing here? And he was like, you know, my kids are nuts about this show. I've got to be on this show. This is the show to do. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so, so do you have a favorite interview moment? I mean, it was it was a thrill to talk to, to Kevin Conroy. I, I think probably my, my favorite interview overall was talking with uh, Andre Armano, who was the voice director for the show and had a hand in casting most everybody on the show. She's just wonderful to talk to, just a, a sweetheart of a person. Um, and she's so good at what she does and so knowledgeable and so sharing with the information. She was, she was wonderful to talk to. And she's, she also like talks a mile a minute. So you're getting so much information thrown at you. It's, it's, uh, it's great. That was probably my favorite oh, great. of the interviews I did, but most everybody was very nice and, and a kick to talk to. I, I cannot wait to, to read this. How do we follow this? When do we know when it, when it drops and how can we get a copy of these interviews? I'm glad you asked, Frank. The magazine is called Back Issue and it's probably available in your local comic book shop. A lot of shops will order it. If not, that you can ask the owner, they can order it for you. You can also order it directly from tomorrows.com. That's spelled T W O. M-O-R-R-O-W-S dot com. And just search under the magazines for back issue and you can find it there. It's issue number 99. The issue is actually shipping out tomorrow as we record this on August 9th. So it will be in uh, some comic shops this week or some next week. And I'm really looking forward to actually having a copy in my hands. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's 84 pages. It's all about Batman, the animated series. The show, the comic books, the merchandise. There's a great profile of uh, Mike Parabek, who is uh, the main artist on the Batman animated comic books. And uh, let's see, I wrote a history of Harley Quinn for the issue. Got to talk to Arlene Sorkin and Tara Strong and all sorts of cool people who are involved with Harley. Arlene Sorkin is amazing in that it's such a unique situation with Harley Quinn, (laughs) a character who translates from animated series to the mainstream comics and then beyond into film now. uh, Yeah. And created effectively because of friendship with the uh, with an actress who (laughs) felt like she would make a good character. And it's a great story because Paul Dini, the writer, he was friends in college with Arlene Sorkin and uh, Arlene had done she, she used to be a regular on Days of Our Lives. And Days of Our Lives, they did a fantasy sequence. Uh, this was in the like the late '80s, where it was sort of a fairy tale thing. It was inspired by the Princess Bride, and Arlene played a court jester, and she was speaking in that Harley voice. You can find the clip on YouTube. She was speaking in that sort of you know Brooklyn gal Friday type of voice, right? And she was doing all sorts of shtick. Paul Dini sees this when he's homesick one day, and it just sticks in his head. A few years later. They needed a, a hench gal for the Joker, and he said, hey, well, what if we do, like, you know, a, a Harlequin-type character? We could call her Harley Quinn, and he suggested Arlene for the for the voice. She came in and read for it. I think she was the only one to read for it because she just nailed it right out of the gate. And there were other incidents in, in Arlene's life that inspired moments with Harley. There's an episode where Harley breaks into song. 
a, a very funny song about an abusive relationship called Say That We're Sweethearts Again. And it, it's actually a song from an old MGM musical. And they actually bought the rights to the song so that Arlene could sing it on the show. Wow. Amazing. And it was an old audition song of hers. So, <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's, it, there's so much uh, uh, from her life that Paul Dini just threw into the character. And it's amazing just that the way the public is taken to that character. You, you can't go to a comic convention these days without seeing at least half a dozen Harley Quinns. Absolutely. Of all different varieties. Wow. There's there's so much to unpack here. There's there's so much more in this issue. I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Thank you, John, very much for joining us. Where can we find out more about your work in general? Well, a good place to find me. I mean, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm on there as uh, Trumbull Comic is my handle, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and the word comic. You can also find me on uh, AtomicJunkShop.com, where I write a column called Crisis on Earth T. And then just I pop up every few issues of Back Issue Magazine. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us and it's giving us this interview. Take Bye. care, buddy. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.